0: I'm sure there's a joke to be made about me wearing glasses and that's just how that goes. Um, So let's just skip past that. Let's skip past the goofy startups. Let's skip past the threats of singing, the rude threats of singing, which I never, ever take up. I'm never going to do it. I'm just not a great singer. I mean, maybe I am. I just don't know. I sing to myself. I sing to my child. And even she goes, really? Uh, So let's stick to whistling. Anyway. Employer brand, as we've discussed on so many different levels in so many different ways, is a weird job. It involves so many different skill sets and so many core competencies and influencing so many different teams. And there's such a weird... You have to touch all these places and spaces and people that it's very easy to get lost in the weeds. It's very easy to completely forget the forest and just stare at each individual tree and just wondering why you're you're not making the impact you want to make. So I want to offer up a way of thinking or a way of seeing really more than anything else how you're approaching the job that will allow you to better prioritize what you're doing, to better focus on making an impact at each individual level, and ensuring that all the pieces kind of add up to more than the sum of the parts. It is a kind of alchemy where 2 plus 2 equals 47, and that's the kind kind of alchemy you should be trying to achieve every single day, but how is always a bit of a mystery, right? Turning lead into gold. I don't think anyone ever figured that one out. So let's talk about how to see see your work as an employer brand professional through a slightly different lens to achieve better results, which is a really businessy way of saying, think it better. Think it better. My goodness. I'm not drunk, Welcome to The Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time, for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, We really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, Let's see. Yes, HireConf in New York. Yes, RecruitCon in Nashville. Yes, employer brand headlines. Go click on the link, get headlines, stay sharp, stay up to date, stay current on what's going on. Um, Also, like I said last time, the. third birthday, the three-year anniversary, whatever you want to call it, is coming up in a couple of, in about a month and a half. And if you've got a subject you'd like me to revisit, let me know. We've got three years of history of stuff I've talked about and some of the stuff on the earlier episodes. I'm glad most people don't listen to anymore because they were bad. Um, But I'd love to revisit. If there's something I missed or something I didn't make clear because this is an unscripted kind of bouncing around, just goofy in my head kind of podcast, there's plenty of times in which I think I'm being clear, but I'm completely not being clear. So if there's something you'd like me to revisit, let me know on the Twitter, at The War for Talent, on the website, on LinkedIn, on the forums, all those places you can find me. Uh, Let me know. I'd love to kind of wrap up the end of the year with kind of cleaning up some of those things, as well as a conversation I have got to schedule. um, And I haven't done that yet. So there you go. Anyway, let's talk about what we do. Like we said, I've written about this. Both the Employer Brand Manifesto, the 16 core competencies I wrote with the Talent Brand Alliance, the uh the sense that our job is very, very strange and messy, right? If we're if we were product managers, yes, that's a pretty messy job. It's a pretty complicated job. Trying to understand what consumers want, how consumers act, what their needs are. That's a lot of messiness. And then how to kind of forge that with what technology can do or what the future is going to bring and how do you skate to where the puck's going to be? It's not an easy job in no way, shape, or form. Project management, as a different than product management, project management about seeing all the tiny little details and kind of weaving them together to make sure things happen on time in the right order, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever your job is, aside from ours, it's usually pretty well-defined. If you're driving a truck, everybody knows what it means to drive a truck. If you are Uh, If you're a nurse, everybody knows, for better or for worse, what it means to be a nurse. Yes, it's not an easy job. I'm not pretending it's an easy job. I'm saying it's a pretty well-defined job. Our jobs are poorly defined. A lot of us, um, as I meet you and talk to you and engage with you all, I'm realizing that no one told you how messy these jobs were going to be. And you are in the process of learning that, oh gosh, I need to be good at video. Oh gosh, I need to be good at ads. And oh gosh, I need to learn how ATSs work. Oh gosh, I need to understand how referral codes work. And oh gosh, I need to, and that list goes on a very, very long time. There's a reason why the Talent Brand Alliance and I came up with 16 core competencies. There were plenty of things that we didn't consider core that you could be good at and would bring value to. We just didn't get to that. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And we generally end up being a bit of generalists. That's a weird sentence. Um, Because we can't just become an expert at one thing or two things. We have to be understanding how all these different pieces work. If you're good at something, if you have expertise in video or content or ads or writing or whatever, great you're going to use it and in fact the fact that you are strong in that area means you're probably going to go to the well a little more often than i might if i don't have strength in that right i don't like to go to video because i'm not great at video yes i have great video partners i love to work with but i'm not great at video and i'm kind of a control freak that way which is complicated because that's weird but if i'm great at video i'm going to make every answer is going to be like well, how do i turn that into a video because i love making video and i'm good at video If I'm a content guy, which I think I am, everything's about content. If I'm an ad guy, everything's going to be about ads. If I'm a whatever it is, I'm going to leverage the tools I have. And I think a lot of employer brand people, or people who are getting into the profession, if we want to call it profession half the time, that's that's a bit of a stretch. Sometimes, sometimes it absolutely does feel that way. But for people who are getting into it, they're starting to realize you have to bring a lot of stuff to the table. And that means the offshoot of that, the knock-on effect of that is you have to juggle a lot of balls. There's a lot of spinning plates to this. You can't just say, I'm going to increase the glass door score. I mean, that's good you should that's probably helpful on some level on some jobs in some parts of the company and increasing your glass door score is not usually a bad thing but it the only thing no And even if it was, there's no switch you hit to make it go up. The process of encouraging people to write better reviews, stronger reviews, more aligned reviews is a complicated, messy point. It involves talking points. It involves content strategy. It involves communication. It involves maybe even internal ads. It involves all these things. Heck, make a video about why people should do it. It involves a lot of pieces. So consequently, we get lost. Eh, I get lost sometimes. And I'm going to assume that there's a lot of you like me where there's so many things going on, it's hard to remember where to focus. It's hard to remember and understand of all the things we could be doing, what should we be doing? Where does it provide the most value? And I'm going to provide a bit of a a mantra, for lack of a better word, or for lack of a better phrase, Um, a mantra on how to approach what you do to do a couple of things. One, you want to make sure you're focusing on the right projects. You're doing good work. You're doing strong work. You're doing it what you're supposed to be doing. Two, you want to make sure that each individual disparate project is driving towards the same goal. And three, you want to give people a platform so that when they do good work and they do work and it aligns and and it adds into yours, it's lined up and aligned to make sure that everybody's, again, sailing to that same North Star. So here's the mantra. And I want to make sure I get this right because I've written this down. And it's kind of in my head in a fuzzy way, but I want to make sure I got it crystal clear. And it's this does this thing project campaign idea ad whatever it is does this thing increase the perceived value of the brand okay not earth-shattering by any stretch but simp, but really semi-profound and every time i think about it i go yeah 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 that's how it's going to help me kind of stay in line and stay engaged is this thing i'm doing Or is the way I'm doing this thing increasing the value of the brand? Now, I think it's interesting because, well, a lot of reasons, but mostly because I don't think we think of our brand and the word value at the same time we think of strong brands we think of well-communicated brands we think of well-respected brands but we don't see valuable brands when we think value brands we think of nike and coke and google and disney and those companies where, where the value is very crystal clear right you know disney launches a new movie you go it's a disney movie i'm gonna go same with pixar right for the longest time hey what's that movie about i don't know but it's a pixar movie cool i'm gonna go for a very long time Right. The brand had value in the same way that movie stars had that same kind of brand value. Right. Oh, George Clooney's in it. Cool. I'm going to go. Nicole Kidman's in it. Cool. I'm going to go. Do I need to know what the movie's about? Nope. That person has, has value in their brand. I'm going to go. But we should start thinking about that because truly that's what we do. We're managing the brand value. So think about would changing the Glassdoor score increase the brand value? Cool. How much? How would you quantify that? How would you, even if you're just assigning kind of an arbitrary n- number to it to say, okay, let's call that the median. Let's call it in a, a scale of one to 10, we'll call that a five. Increasing your Glassdoor score by half a point would be a five in the value score. Okay, what else would be more valuable? That when people see the brand, they think of us as a place for blank. Okay, okay, that's an eight or a nine. Right? because it's creating. So you need to apply this mantra when you're looking at every single project. Does it and how does it increase the perceived value of the brand? Now we sort of touched on this in some other podcasts um, on this idea that the marketing itself actually increases the value of something by, you know, for example, if you have um, <clears throat> You've got a product, and it's kind of there, and you're kind of like, okay, it's, it's fine. But if you add marketing and people like it more, you think of the wine conversation, right? A, a $5 bottle of wine has, a, has a, a pleasure value of three, but a $50 bottle of wine has a pleasure value of seven or nine. Um, maybe it's the same piece of wine. What happens is having a better bottle, having a better label, having a better story, attaching a price tag to it actually increases its perceived value how are you increasing the perceived value of the employer brand how are you making it more interesting more attractive more uh, useful more in line with more clear to that person that's the perceived value if your company is just known as a place that just makes things let's call it widgets you know let's go back to our economics class in high school or college um and you're a commodity maker great i mean not great that's Actually, pretty sad, um, but that's it, but true. A lot of people are living in that world. We've talked about the unsexy employer brand before. Maybe you were just living one of those unsexy employer brand lives. You're making a widget. You're making corks for wine bottles. You're making packages for Oreos. You're making uh, bricks. You're making things, you're making widgets. You're making semi-commodified or mostly commodified products. Okay, great. How do you add marketing, not to add spin, not to add razzle-dazzle, but to increase the perceived value of that thing? So if you're selling bricks, you can, how do you make those bricks look more interesting or feel more valuable or make people happier when they buy it? What marketing can you apply and branding can you apply to make that brick more valuable? There's a lot of different ways. You know, you steal from the wine example. You can say, okay, these are uh, modeled on heritage bricks from uh, French homes in the 1700s. I don't know anything about bricks. You can tell that pretty quickly. Um, and you can say, look, the value isn't just the, the fact that it's holding a house up, and it turns out the bricks don't hold the house up. The mortar holds the house up, and the bricks are there to hold the mortar, but that's a separate conversation. But the owner of that house will get that feeling in their heart that says, man, I'm using the same bricks that they modeled after homes in France in the 1700s because somehow it makes me feel good, congratulations, you've increased brand value. Someone's willing to pay a premium for that kind of brick because they think it was modeled after this magical French home from a long, long time ago. Is it any better? No, not from a functional standpoint, but if people make, it makes them feel differently, it makes them feel better, there's value you've created. And that's interesting because that value happens to be very often emotional. And we talked a bit about emotion, and I don't think we've done a great job because maybe that's why that whole concept of employer blanding is a thing. Um, We generally talk about, we talk about emotion, we talk very lightly about it. When I look at employer brand videos or employer brand guidelines, I think the most emotion I ever see is the word pride. And that's always such a weird, tenuous emotion because I can't tell you to be proud of something. I think that's weird. you got to feel it inside yourself. It's such an internal process. It's like saying, be happy. That doesn't work. (laughs) Emotions are very internal. So if you want to increase the perceived value, one of the major channels in which you can do that is to create emotional connections. How does your brand video make somebody smile? How does your employer brand video make someone sad on purpose in an intentional way? How does it make them feel something profound that is adding value to the brand? So you can use this kind of mantra to say, okay, should I be spending my time increasing my Glassdoor score, arbitrary task, whatever, or should I be using it to make videos? Well, gosh, that's a tough one because videos can mean lots of different things. Are you making lots of little micro videos, one-minute videos? Are you making a lot of transactional videos, like here's how you, why you should apply for this job, or here's an qu- answer to your question, or are you doing kind of a big emotional video, a three-minute video that you hope people make? If you make a three-minute video, how can you be sure that you're gonna do it well enough that people are gonna feel an emotion, right? They're, I'm reading the reviews from those latest Stephen King uh, movie, The It Part 2, whatever. People are like, it's not scary. They made it such that it wasn't scary. The source material is very scary, the original was very scary, and everybody's like, eh, this one's just not that scary. They did it in such a way that their intention was to make it scary, they just didn't execute it because executing art in order to create an emotional connection is hard it's really hard to do. And so consequently, we skip past it and go, let's go to functional, let's go to logical, let's go ahead and detail all the ways our employer brand is great, all the reasons why our company is great. Hey, we have a market cap of blah, 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 and we have this many company employees, and this detail, 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 bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, logic, 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 and none of it creates emotion. And if it's a value of logic and bullet points, it's very hard to say that adding that bullet point, adding that logic creates value, creates perceived value. Even on magic, magical, huge, unicorn-like companies, that data point often undercuts the message we're trying to have. Look at what companies are going to IPO right now and have the problems they're having because the details, the logic of it, they're trying to sound bigger than they are or they're trying to sound more important than they are and they're missing it. They sound weird. They sound like, really, this is a business? This is how this, is, this has worked? This is the in, in, inside baseball? This is the, the internal machinations of this company? This company that I've used and I thought I liked? Now the details make me go, uh, maybe I'm rethinking my like of the or dislike of the brand. The emotional is hard to achieve. And if we try to lean on the logical, you never get to emotional. In fact, the logical undercuts the emotional. And if you're trying to increase the value, that whole sense of the way you make marketing create value for something is emotional. So I want you to look at all your projects. And when you think about that video, for example, back to that that example that I can quite finish up, you have to kind of balance that idea. It's like, okay, a great, an amazing video might score a nine. On our mythical scale or are what would we say if it's five the video might be a nine but it also might be a two my favorite video is still that new zealand police video so many different reasons but it makes me smile i think it's fantastic there is they've actually tapped into a weird emotion which is strange because they're cops and that's not the sort of thing i would expect and that in it's of itself that dichotomy that surprise that that's the emotion they're going for is part of the emotion right there's a a, a trailer just came out for the new uh, um Oh, gosh, and I'm going to butcher his name. He's New Zealand too. I don't know why I have New Zealand on the brain. But the guy who did the last Thor movie, he's a genius. He's a, he's an absolute lunatic. Um, ta- take, taika? Taika? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, he's got a new movie called Jojo Rabbit where it's a kid in Nazi Germany and his imaginary friend is Hitler. And you're like... This is insane, and I'm laughing at the jokes. And you're like, okay, how am I laughing at this situation? And that kind of friction between what you think you're supposed to expect and what you're seeing and how you're reacting creates an emotional tension, and that's what they're going with. That's why I've watched that trailer three times. It's a trailer. I don't even like movies much. It's a trailer. It's fantastic. And that's kind of what your videos can be doing, but instead they're reaching for the logic and saying, yeah, we're a big company and here's our CEO, and they're gonna say the same thing everybody else says. Well, you know what, frankly, we might as well just given you some stock footage and, and animated it for all the good it's gonna say. You can make a video that does that, but if you apply the mantra and say, how is this adding value to the brand, perceived value of the brand? You might say, you know what? This video that we keep watering down to make everybody happy is not going to add value to the brand. Yes, it will check a box that says, hey, guys, you should really make an employer brand video, which I think everybody in the back of their head has. You might say, well, until we can do it in a way that adds perceived value to the brand, let's keep pushing it back to the end of the line. Until you can figure out how to create emotional value to really increase the value of the brand, don't do the thing. And that's how that mantra really sparks a conversation change. It sparks a, a filter that allows you to see all of what you're doing through a very different lens, to focus on the stuff that matters. It's very likely you're in a situation that I was in which because no one knew what employer brand was, no one knew what to expect from you no one knew where you were supposed to spend your time if you're a if you're a nurse you're supposed to spend your time doing rounds you're supposed to be doing your time spending your time doing paperwork everybody knows you're supposed to do those things and as, as these new jobs evolve and employer brand no quite knows what you're supposed to do. And you've got to develop a good thick skin or at least a good defense mechanism that says when someone goes, should you be building videos or shouldn't you be making Glassdoor scores go up or shouldn't you be writing job postings? You've got to have a defense against that. Especially if you've decided to use this mantra to say, the projects I'm going to work with and work on and focus on are the ones that increased the perceived value of the brand. And right now, we're not in a position to make a video that does that. So that's why I'm not. So as because you've got some kind of fuzzy room and ways to play with what your job is, you have an opportunity to focus on the stuff that matters the most. And this is how you get to teach your company and your boss and your teams what your job really is, which let's be fair, is kind of part of your job too. All right. So that's what I had. Thanks so much for listening. As always, um, comment, talk to me, bug me, come to my Twitter, say things. I don't know. Uh, Share the podcast, let people know that you like it. I appreciate it. Um, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the war talent. At TheWarForTalent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.